coming to you from the My Little Falls studio here in beautiful Little Falls, New York. It's your host, Scott Kimville, and another episode of Marty's Illegal Stick. And what's up, hockey fans, and welcome to episode number 24 of Marty's Illegal Stick being recorded on Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. Uh, normally we record on Wednesday, but uh, I got to work tomorrow and it's 24-hour shift, so recording for me tomorrow is kind of out of the question. Before we get going, I just kind of wanted to let everybody know something. We actually do have an email list. And if you wanted to get on that email list, I'd like to send out reminders when we have our new episodes out. And you can find that email sign up at uh, martysillegalstick.com. I almost said www.martysillegalstick.com, but I know how much that irritates Dave. Yep, so don't, don't do it. So yeah. I, I had to stop myself. So. All right. <laughs> okay. So anyways, before we get going here, I'm going to bring our panel in real quick. First off, as always, my father, Leo Kinville. How are you? Hello, Scott. This is a a great day today. I got to see both my kids the same day. That don't happen very often, so it's a good day. And you're not stressed out. I'm amazed. Uh, Give me time. How long long were you at the prison? Wait. <laughs> I did 30 days. 30 days and $1,000. Wait wait for the trivia question. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's, oh, that's when the blood starts spilling right there. Yeah, yeah, well, there <laughs> what episode is this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, since uh, we played the, the number game last week, we're at number 24. Any particular player come to mind when you think of the number 24? Ryan oh, well, That just killed that up. No? 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 24. Nothing? No. Well, I was no thinking. other than Bob Probert. Bob Probert. That was that was one of my answers right there. You haven't even introduced these guys. We got them answering questions. I'm, Come on. I'm getting, well, I asked him first, so yeah, but don't right. worry about it. We're, we're, we're good. That's right. Bobby Probert, <laughs> Ryan Callahan. There you go. And that voice you hear is uh, the one and the only Mr. Jeremy Roberts, who was a little fired up before we got on the air, so I can't wait to get to segment two for this one. But uh, anyways, how you doing, Jeremy? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. <laughs> so I, I heard Ryan Callahan, Bob, Bob Probert. Anybody else? 24. I was thinking Jay Wells. Remember him? No. So, so Brown's in number 24. What's that? Tough as nails. Tough as nails, Jay Wells. I love them. See? Somebody knows. There you go. Perfect. L.A. King. It's your perfect segue to introduce Dale. Absolutely. But first, before we get to that, <laughs> we, uh, as always, our producer over here pulling his hair out of his head already, <laughs> Dave Save Warner. How are you, Dave? Take the hat off, and I'll look like you in no time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Still hair going here. You might want to split that tea, pal, because it's good. (laughs) Oh, man. And I'm going to bring our guest in, making a return appearance. As a matter of fact, this is the first time that we've had the same guest two weeks in a row. And we got to have him back because we had so much fun last week that we didn't get to talk about everything that we wanted to talk about. So welcome back to the show, Mr. Dale Purrington. Thanks for coming back, bud. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um I just kind of want to give you a gauge of where I'm at. Do you guys remember uh, the old SNL with uh, Chris um, Farley on it? Yeah. As yeah he was yeah. like not fully the motivational speaker. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, All right. Oh, boy. Oh and boy. I'm close to living in a van down by the river. But, but the reality <laughs> is I've been in my basement drinking coffee for the four, last four hours. So I am like beyond excited, guys. Oh, You're not going to fall through the coffee table, are you? <laughs> well, maybe at the end. <laughs> Oh, man, that is great. That is great. So, no, like I said, we, we appreciate you coming back on. We, we, like I said, so much fun that we're going to have some more fun this week. So, uh, so anyways, yeah, where we left off started. last... What did you say, Jerry? I said apparently it's already started. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's only going to get better, pal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, so I, I feel like, uh, you know what? This kind of feels like those old Batman episodes. Remember that? With the end part one? What will the oh, King yeah. Crusaders do now in the next yeah, episode? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so when we last laughed off, <laughs> uh, you know, Dale, I wanted to ask you about your first NHL goal. We never did get to that. So I know it was uh, October 19th of 2002, I believe, against Nashville, correct? It was, um, but I'm going to fill you in a little bit about the first goal that I didn't get. Okay. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then we'll we'll get to that one. Um, this could be a long so, segment. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, we were in we were in uh, Nassau playing the Islanders, and um, I was on the ice, and I don't know how I got on with uh, Flurry. He, he somehow he was still out there. I think he was taking his famous two minute shifts. <laughs> and maybe like the only time, well, maybe, maybe two or three times in my career, this was one of them I ever jumped in over the red line and kind of, you know, skated past the hash marks in the offensive zone. And it went from, it went from McCarthy to flurry to me in the slot and a wide open net. And I shot it wide. And it was like, I, I you just got, I just, I just, well, and, and I'm still, that's, I'm just still unpacking it. I, I've had, you know, hours of therapy and I, that's why I'm just kind of still unpacking it with you guys. Cause, cause that would, it, it would, uh, it would, it would, their, their names would have been on the assist and I would have just, it would have been a dream of mine. I love both guys. Uh, you know, I grew up in Calgary and I got to watch those guys, but that was the one I didn't get. Um, the next one is I was telling you is that, you know, Brian Leach, he just, he helped me so much as a player. And it was like, if you don't have a direct shot at net, the net, you put it back down the boards, you can't get your shot blocked. I was telling you in, in the segment before this. So this, this was like an unbelievable goal. I seen the puck coming around the boards and I pulled it off the boards and snapped it on net. I didn't look at the net. My head was down and I didn't actually see if anyone was in the shooting lane and somehow it went in. So um, it wasn't uh it wasn't a highlight goal by any means, but <laughs> very, uh, very lucky to hit the net. That's, you know, things happen when you hit the net. And, um, you know, for me, I'm so lucky that I remember every single goal I scored. <laughs> I mean, there was only, what, five? Well, we don't need a number. We don't need a number. I didn't go to college. Let's, let's leave it at that. I was your professor. Don't you remember? <laughs> and that's why he doesn't want to discuss numbers, Jeremy. <laughs> There's got to be a button in every crowd, right, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> so do you still have the puck? Yeah, so I don't know. Like, So what they do is on your first goal, like New York's re really classy in that way is they actually uh, make you a big picture, a big picture frame, and has the lineup in there, has your picture, the actual goal. Um, and, and they when they anyone scores or gets, you know, kind of any milestones, which is obviously a milestone for me, um, they the trainers grab the puck and put tape around it, and they mark your name and the date on there. So they actually put it inside a, a picture frame, a glass picture frame, and, and – um, you, you know, you don't even, they don't tell you about it. And then they just present it to you. And it's just it's such a nice thing that they, uh, you know, take care of their players that way. And I'm sure all the teams do it. And, and if they don't, hopefully they start, but um, New York is just such a classy organization. They took care of us that way. And so um, all those um, trophies that I have, or, or um, you know, like I have one of Messier signed sticks every time. So all those um, I actually still have, and they're in my boys' rooms. Um, and you know, they get to enjoy that. So it's, uh, it's just something I cherish for sure. 
That's really cool. Awesome. That is really cool. You don't let them play uh, road hockey with Messier Science Stick, do you? Well, um, <laughs> you know, like, it's hard to contain these guys. So you, <laughs> you almost have to chain it up. Like, I've caught them a couple times, like, passing in the hallway, right? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> so you can't guarantee anything with those boys. <laughs> That's great. That is great. So I know, like, one of the Ranger traditions for, like, post-game for, like, if a player's done something special or, like, player of the game is they, they pass around a fedora, correct? The, Broadway the hat. Were they, were they doing that back then, too, or? No, we did not do that. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I just thought that was kind of cool, and I was just, you know, wondering how you would look with a fedora on. That's all. <laughs> That's just wrong. <laughs> yeah, that is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, they say it all the time. The new NHL. Yeah, right. Not here. No, 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 not here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but you know, seriously though, the, uh, the 2003 season was. I was looking back, and it was your best uh, statistical season. And then, of course, the following season was the lockout. So, take us through that a little bit. I mean, how did you first of all get the news about the lockout? I mean, is it? Um, was it they they call everybody in for well, that that two that 2003 season was I was I was having a pretty good season and and I was getting you know a, a lot of ice time, um, and then uh, I broke my foot in Toronto like I, I switched with a I switched with a Ford and and I came out to the point and I took a snapshot off the top of my foot and I broke my foot and I think it was. Um, I think it was we picked up Boris Mironov, I believe, off waivers. I think it was Boris, um, and they wanted and Glenn wanted me to go down for conditioning um, in Hartford, and because of the numbers were uh, the numbers were off, and we we had too many guys. And I'm like, well, I just felt I just felt I've I did a good job for the team, and that it wouldn't be in my best interest to start being the guy that moves back and forth. And, and, you know, I've up until that point, um, you know, did everything they ever asked me to. And, and so I refused getting sent down. Well, I think, I think they sat me out for the next 14 games and begged, skated me every day. It was like the worst, it was the worst experience you can imagine, but with, are you still with, with respect, right? Like I'm not mad about it. And, and, you know, that's part of it. Um, looking back, yeah, maybe should have went back, but, but I felt I felt um, I was playing well, and and you know I was I was bringing something to the team, and and because of you know maybe they mismanaged a little bit that I was the one who was gonna you know go down there. And the problem with getting sent to the minors is you're 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 wasting fights, and you're waste like it's not like I'm going down there to work on my game. I'm going down there, and, and every young guy or every guy in there is just coming it's at coming you every at night. You. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's not that I don't I wouldn't do it. It's just like you, you want to save those for the big guys, right? And yeah, so you, you're a target. It's a target. You're, you got the target. You're, you're your totally back. target, and and it's and it's tough, right? And um, you know, and, and you have to know the politics of it. Like even that year when they signed Casparitis, I was playing behind Casparitis, and you know they gave him so much money, but they had to play their money, guys, or or it looks bad. Well, well Casparitis, you know, great guy and team, and I, and I don't ever want to, um, you know, talk bad about anyone. But not him as a character, but his game at that time wasn't that, you know, wasn't worth that at that time. He wasn't, 
he wasn't playing as well as, as they had hoped, but yet because you're not making that money, you're sitting in the stands or you're, you know, maybe bouncing back and forth or, and, and, you know, we can't, we can't be fair and not fair. It's not up to us. So, um, but when you're actually living that and seeing that it's, it's sometimes tough to take. And then he got sent to Hartford um, when I went down there. Well, and he wasn't, he didn't uh, play much down there. And, um, and it's not that he wasn't capable. It's just, he, you know, wasn't mindset. his game wasn't where it was right there. Yeah. It's a mindset. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's tough. It, it, it's a tough thing to be consistent. That's what we're after is consistency, but we can't quit working at the game. And, and, and when you get down there, it's, it's a bit of a harder game. It's not, it's scrambly and it's guys are coming at you a little harder and it's a, it's a little bit of a rougher game. So um, to adjust for, you know, to adjust for certain guys, it, it's, it's a big adjustment. It's a lot easier moving up. Um, it's, it's faster up, but, but it's, it's way more structured and it's actually an easier game to play. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That, that, that is interesting because if yeah. you, if you think about it, I get, yeah, that, that would be true. Because I mean, I've well, heard that. I mean, I've heard that from, you know, talking to other pros, you know, even, you know, besides Dale, you know, with the Sestito brothers or Kevin Todd or even Rob Ash and it's there, they, they all said the same thing. It's like you go down into the AHL and they call it the jungle. Um, and it's a jungle for a reason because you're, they're fighting for a spot to go up. And if you're the guy that's coming down, that's the guy that they're going to go after because you know, you get, how are you going to give me, how are you going to make your name? You, you just got in a fight with an NHL guy. That's what I'm going after. This is how hard I want to fight to prove myself. But the NHL guys just going, guys, I'm just down here to rehab. Like, right. <laughs> leave me alone. Let me do my thing. <laughs> and all the young, all the young guys are coming after you. So, I mean, I've heard that from a lot of guys that said that. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I guess that would be a, a great point. So, uh, so Dale, you had mentioned Glenn. Are you, are you referring to Glenn Sather? Yeah. Yes. How was he as a? I mean, it was he? He was the coach at that time, correct? Or was, um, he, just, well, or was he just GM? Yeah, like my first, my first, uh, um, my first uh, was Ron Lowe. Okay. And then Brian Trottier, and then Glenn, or then Tom Rennie took over, took over as interim, and then uh, and then Glenn came in, and then Tom, and then Tom um, took back over, but. Um, like he, he treated me really well and I had a good, I still have a good relationship. I, I went uh, two years ago to watch him play the Canucks and I got to uh, spend a little time with uh, um, Glenn and Jim Schoenfeld and, and got to see, you know, most of the staffers is the same and they got to meet all three of my boys and, and they actually, when they got home, sent me a big swag bag for all the boys and, and just, you know, really classy and, and, you know, great pictures with them. And, and they, they've always treated me really well. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, you look back and, and you have to own your own behavior on that ice, right? And, and the, right. some of the things I did was because of me and I had to do work on myself. And, and I'm not the same guy as I was then. And, and I wish that, you know, you could go back, right? Like, like everyone wishes that because I, I'm a completely different person. I would have prepared different. I would have, I would have taken the game, you know, completely different, you know, and, and been just a, a way better leader. I would have been sober the whole time. And, and you just approach life different, but those are the things we have to go through to get to these points and where you're at now. And so, um, th they treated me, I, they treated me like a, a million bucks and, and I can't say enough about them. Very good. Very good. So, I mean, obviously it's everybody, any hockey players dream to play in the NHL, but was there anything in particular that you didn't quite like about it? Oh, I don't know. I, I think, I think for me now is, 
it, it's it's something you you know obviously you know it's in my family and you always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was. I don't know if it was honestly like ever my real, real passion um, as much as like maybe like a stepping stone to like help people. It's just like now it's now it's like awareness for people and, and awareness for like people with trauma and, you know, like look at the streets and, and the divide of, of rich and poor and people that are struggling. And, and I think it gave me an avenue to be able to reach more people. And, 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 you know, I'm so, what I loved is, is the guys and, and, you know, the political stuff is never that great. And, and, you know, just, uh, even the, even the internal dog fights of contracts and, you know, people always trying to, you know, you're on eggshells and getting jobs and it, 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 there's some ugly stuff to it, but there's also amazing stuff. And, and some of the, some of the, um, you know, people I met in that game, um, lifelong friends and, and just, just genuine, authentic people that you just can't say enough about. And, and, and look at this, like, Without all of us, one is we wouldn't have the NHL, we wouldn't have hockey, and and look at the relationships we get to create because of the game, and we live in different countries on different sides of the coast, and now we've created these relationships through the, this game that we all love, and the reality is we're all connected, and, and I was fortunate enough to have a dad that played hockey and said, listen, like, you, you, you wouldn't be playing it, you wouldn't be getting paid for this game if it wasn't for all these people that, you know, um, are part of this with you. And, and, and he was just, he was so good for me that way. And, and like, I just cherish people who love the game and, and care about, you know, the, the integrity of the game and, and guys who historians and guys who study, it's, it's an amazing thing to be part of. And when, when I first started in New York, um, Mark, Mark, like, well, Mass was such, so good. And he said to me, you know, and, and he just, and this always stuck with me. He's like, he's like, remember the guys get to know the guys in the back room, get to know the guys on other teams that unpack your bags and get to know the bus drivers and the stewardess and know their names. And, and he was such a a brilliant guy at that, that it just gets passed on. And, and so, you know, when we're on the road, our trainers say we get into a city at, you know, two 33 in the morning, they go to those rinks and sleep on the floors or blow up mattresses and they make sure our stuff's dry and they make sure it's all hung up nice. And so, on every road trip, no matter what, me and Richie Pilon would go to Starbucks and we knew every guy's coffee. And 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 we even would get coffee sometimes for the trainers of the other team if we knew they picked us up that night. And and so and it just gets passed on. Uh, Joe Devaney, which was a trainer for the, the Rangers, I think he got in something like 39 years. He, he came to my wedding. like And and so I got really close to those guys. And, and um, we, 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 uh, we played ping pong. Like I'd stay and play ping pong. I was sometimes closer to those guys than some of our teammates. Cause you know, there's a lot of, there's a <laughs> lot of movement. So, yeah. and then I think, uh, I've never really told this story, but we kind of kept it quiet, but, um, we were pretty serious about ping pong. I actually have a custom paddle, um, that I carry around. Uh, I, I play in my car by myself, just weird stuff. Right. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just picked the wrong sport. I picked the wrong sport. So anyway, um, I was coming back from an injury, that foot injury, and we were playing ping pong, and I stepped on it wrong, and I think it, like I gave it like a little bit of a tweak, and I was out for probably two or three more weeks than I should have been, plus plus getting back skated from I had a ping pong injury, but I couldn't talk about it at the time. Can you How come you're not hearing? Oh, I'm playing ping pong with the trainer. I slipped on I the won steps, that guys. Game, by the way, so I won that game, so it's all worth it. 
<laughs> uh, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall if you did tell him it was a ping pong injury. Oh, oh yeah. Oh man. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, those those they. I'll tell you what. That staff is is their old school. They're a little bit hot blooded. So you, if they're if they don't make eye contact with me, I knew I had a good day. <laughs> I'm here for another day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's it's a great point that you bring up, though, about all the behind-the-scenes stuff because people don't realize just how much goes into it. All oh, the work that's got to go yeah. on behind the scenes. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 a big, it's a big production, and, and a lot of it's thankless. And, and, you know, like, for the most part, like, with our group of guys, um, pretty – Pretty good guys, um, not a few high maintenance guys, but it wasn't too too bad. Um, but you know, you hear some you hear some horror stories, and and you know, just guys that you know, the perception of who they are is is actually not what goes on behind uh, closed doors, and and just you know, like I, I always like guys with good attitudes and super positive, and and you know give up the selfishness for the greater good of a team. And, and that's what you need. Right. And unfortunately that doesn't always happen. And sometimes big egos get in the way. And, right. um, and you know, I got to run some of those guys. Right. So, um, <laughs> Oh, I didn't see you. Right. Crack, I, didn't, I didn't see you. Um, and then I was always friends with like Mark and Leachy and, and, you know, gravy and Rick, Rick, like the, the core group. So, um, Sometimes I could get away with a little bit of that in practice. I'd be like, hey, like, give me the nod, right? But you have to ask. Right? You're not doing stuff on your own there because, you know, it doesn't take much to, to get you in the stands, right? So, right. Um, but but those those guys are, uh, are, are they, they, they give up family life and they give up, you know, you know, have a lot of them, you know, don't really have kids or if they do, they don't see them much. And, and so they give up a lot of stuff to make us comfortable. And, and so we need to honor them and, and not be selfish and, you know, entitled and, and, you know, all those, all those, you know, really bad character defects. It's like, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to do these things. And, you know, we're not saving lives and we're not working for NASA and, you know, we're playing the game we love and, and, you know, we're, we need to be grateful for for that, and and those people make it happen for us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fantastic point. That's you know more more people need to hear that. That that's really so true. So yeah, a lot of people just look at it like it's a, just a game, and they get on the ice, and that's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. They they see like most people see the end result. They see the games, and then they see the contracts. They don't see the struggle, right. and they don't see you know the injuries, and and you know. I left home. I left home at 15 years old and never went home. Right. And, and that's talk about a recipe for disaster. Right. And, you know, hence um, therapy and treatment and on and on and on. But the reality is that's not really a recipe, especially, you know, like you have to have a pretty solid foundation and it's pretty solid family to teach you how to, you know, finance money or manage money and, and, you know, how to, how to make proper decisions and to treat people and all these things that, you know, should be, kind of being passed through parents into coaches as you grow. And, and that's why the college systems, you know, it's a good and bad to the fact you're a little bit older when you go, but there's less, there's less watching you when you're in college, but junior, you know, you leave junior at 20 and, and you turn pro. So you leave junior for, you leave for junior at, you know, 16 years old and you're kind of on your own, right? Tell you're 20. Yeah. And mm -hmm. So, 
And when you play, you know, most like I can watch most hockey games, especially back in the day, and I can watch and I can kind of know who the animals on and off the ice are. There's there's a few guys that slip by you. Like there's a few stars that you think are normal that are a little bit haywire, but um, or really haywire. <laughs> but in general, in general, you watch the guys on the ice that are like you know just hard as they can play and rugged and and yeah. just chippy and in your face. Well, most of the time. They're a little bit more rugged off the ice too. So, but we don't, we don't, we're not taught, we don't have those tools, a lot of guys, and we don't know how to flip that switch when, when you're off that. And it's kind of your lifestyle, right? And and that's the stuff that we need to talk about and discuss and, and say, Hey, listen, I was there. I get it. Like it right. took me a lot of hard lessons to get to where I'm at today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I take it that the NHL doesn't have anything for, for rookies, insofar as like a like a, I don't want to say like a class, on like how to handle their money and how to basically prepare for life in the NHL, correct? Yeah, well, um, they have they have like a like a, an addictions liaison. A couple teams have it now. Like Grant Myers started it and he's running out of LA. And then mm-hmm. who did you, uh, uh, Brian McGratton's running it out of Calgary through Brant? And and I think there's a couple teams with that. But as far as like a like say like a lifestyle coach or life skills. Um, I don't believe they have that yet. I know, I know for sure, like the soccer organizations have that. Um, but you know, it's, it's changing a little bit because the reality is most, um, most players in the NHL today have money. That's the reality is like, it's a lot of rich kids playing. And and so they have that down, but it's just like, but what about how, what, where are we emotionally? Like, you know, how, how do we, learn how to deal with trauma or be in relationships or self-awareness or, you know, those are the things that um, I think is, is a something needs to be taught when people are young and, and, you know, how, how to go through problems because they're going to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think they have that, but I could be wrong. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great point though. That's really a great point. So you finished the, the 2003, four season in Hartford, correct? Yes. Okay. And then the, the well, no, well, no, no, in New York. In New York. Okay. There's a lockout. Yeah. In New York lockout was 0405. Right. So you played in Hartford during the lockout though, correct? No, no. Okay. No, so. I played, I, I only played, they, they tried to get me to go there. Um, I was at my cabin and so I ended up going to the East coast league and okay. uh, for um, the salmon Kings for 17 games. And then, um, I moved, so I moved to Vancouver Island, and so I didn't. I only played 17 games that year, and wow. then I came back from the lockout, and that's like, and, and you know what? It, it's my fault again. It's just like I didn't train that hard. I wasn't in great shape, and and shame on me, right? And and that's when uh, I, I got Colton Horn exhibition, and and that was pretty much um, that year. That year I got sent down, and I think I only played maybe 24 games that year, but. I think I was six games into the season and I tore my ACL. Hey. A guy tried to hit me low. Yeah. And so, um, and then, and then I came back and I think I maybe played a game or two and then I broke my uh, pinky finger in a spiral break and it came out of the skin. Ouch. And I was out. So, hey. Yeah. So I only played 24 games that year. Man. That and then the following rough. season, I was having a great year, and actually New York was going to call me back up, and, and it was that, that that some of those weird rules where they had too many call-ups because they told me, hey, you're probably going up. They, they called about you because I was having a good season. And um, there's too many call-ups, and I couldn't go. Oh, well, of so course. they're allowed yeah, – yeah, yeah, so many call-ups. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's by Christmas or something, or just after Christmas, they could only have so many. Wow. Hmm. So I never got a, I never got a shot to, uh, you know, kind of finish off stuff. there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, and, and you know what? Like, I was warned lots of time. Like, I can't blame anyone but myself. You have to own that, and, and you know, it's tough because I loved it so much, and, and but I wasn't – I just wasn't emotionally there. Like I was just, I, I, I was self-medicating. I was just not, you know, maybe, maybe you know, it could be some head, head injuries and it was just like, I wasn't, I wasn't taking it serious enough. And, and, and now that's the thing is like we pass. That's the type of thing you with my own kids is understanding like whatever you do, how hard you have to work and stuff to accomplish it. Right. Um, right. And, and, you know, like, and, and I talk, it's like, you know, these things aren't your self-worth. It's just like, I'm always like, Hey, live a joyful life and do what you love. And, and as we know, time, time's so valuable and a commodity. And so I, I teach them the stuff that, you know, I've learned in, um, about life and how valuable, you know, human connection is and, and, you know, how important like that you, that you just, your dad said he got to see both of his boys, you and your brother today and how important he, he and I, I don't speak for him, but how important it is just to see, to spend that little time with each other. Right. And, and that's, that's the most important thing to me now. It's, it's not, I'm, I'm done chasing stuff. I, I always thought, uh, you know, having stuff or playing the NHL or having houses and was going to make me successful and be happy. And, and the reality is I wasn't at all. Right. So um, it took some, it took some, you know, a lot of work and now like I'm the happiest I've been since I've been a kid. That's great. That, that really is great. That lockout year, that had to be tough because obviously you weren't drawing a salary from obviously the NHL because if they locked you out, they're not paying you, correct? I mean, that's kind of goes without yeah. saying. So that had to be really I, tough for a lot of guys. Well, well, it was for guys, like for myself, it wasn't. Um, like I actually made more money that year than I did even playing in hockey because I was a ski mask model. So <laughs> what? model. So the, the money was just rolling in. Oh, they, said, oh. Oh, they said, you have beautiful eyes. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was, I, we, we had, we had, a, we had a, you should try that, Jer. You should try I should, I should be that? I should do that? Yeah. Maybe you can. Well, he, he doesn't, he, Vermont, no, Vermont he doesn't, area. he doesn't have the eyes I, for it. I don't know. Said, well, he's, if they well, put more graphics on him, when he is now, you can't get a ski mask, a ski mask on him. Well, you know, I mean, send me your uh, your your uh, agent, and I'll uh, I'll give it a whirl. I'm laid off. Just no underwear modeling, guys. All right, it's all. But I'll say soon over here. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they they, so, they had a players fund um, for guys, uh, and I think they would get checks, um, but. As you know, like the reality is, I think most guys and most people in general live beyond their means. And, and so there's a lot of guys that even with some of those big salaries, we talked at the, at the NHL meetings or, or, you know, they can't, they're check to check almost. Right. And, you know, and it's hard to, hard to believe it, but that's reality. Right. When you're, you know, driving certain cars and houses and, you know, it's, it's, and that's why we need this, you know, Absolutely. coaches, we need, we need life that's coaches, but um, yeah, and and I think it, and a lot of guys went to Europe, and I, I didn't have that option for some reason. It was the weirdest thing that the phone wasn't ringing. But um, uh, I, th- I think I got a call from like a roller uh, a, a, a roller hockey league 
Uh, I don't think girls. that would have that wouldn't that wouldn't have fit you too well. <laughs> yeah, I don't see roller, that working. I got a call from Roller Derby. <laughs> roller Derby. <laughs> call, just just call the call you Diesel, right? Yeah, I had to wear a wig. That was it. Yeah, I was I was say, say, I the girls' division. <laughs> yeah, one more week off, I was in. <laughs> <laughs> now that now Diesel, that is that 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 was your nickname, correct? Uh, one of them. Yeah, I got one a few. Yeah, I know you got a few. I know you and got a you few. you earned those. You earned know, those, by the way. I, I know you got a few. Just keep in mind, this is a PG-13 show. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I kept it to the one. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why that is, because they called me the little engine that couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, thanks for the setup, Jared. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. <laughs> now, what are friends for, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are unbelievable. So much fun. <laughs> oh, so uh, so 2007, you signed with the uh, Colorado Avalanche, and you played uh, Lake Erie that season in the AHL, correct? I did. Um, yeah. So so. We, we are, so I had, uh, Paul and Doug Messi were my agents at the time. And, and so we got a call, actually, I got a phone call from Sylvain Lefebvre, which was one of my partners in New York. And he, he ended up, um, being the assistant coach there. Uh, Dave Sacco was the head coach and Dave Oliver that was in Dallas was the GM. And so he called me and said, Hey, your contract's up. Would you be interested in, in playing here? And, and, so I said, well, I, I want to like talk to New York first and Hartford because like, you know, it'd be nice to, you know, stay in the organization. And, um, and so we called them and, and, you know, they wanted to sign me, but they, they, they just kind of hummed and hawed and, and, um, Colorado offered me a nice deal. And, and, um, I would, I packed up and, and left. And, and so, and that, that was a hard, that was a hard thing to do. Um, because that, you know, I was so comfortable there and I knew everyone in the organization. I was there. I, I was actually, there, here's some good trivia for you. I was the longest, um, I was the longest New York, New York Ranger. Um, when I think they traded Leach away, um, in the organization, cause I, I was drafted, I think in 95 and I think I was 17, I was 17 at the time. And, um, that that's the year I, I finally left. So I was I was there for the longest. Uh, I was the longest standing uh, ranger. So oh, so it was okay. tough. Like people don't understand, you know the, you know what what keeps you in certain places. But but I love I loved it. I loved the organization. It was it was really it was really tough to go. I, I think I think the turning point was, um, you know, it's a new team. Um, I, I I was really good friends with with Sly and. And I knew he was going to treat me really well there. And um, I went there and had a really good camp. I fought, I fought Ivonis, had a good camp. And, you know, I was playing well there. And then I got a, I got a huge suspension right off the bat. And, and I still, like, we had, a, we had a really, I think we had eight veterans on that team. Like, Jeff Friesen came and played for us. Jamie Lundmark was there. Um, oh, man. Jeff Gilson was there. Um, who else? Anyway, um, so I think we some, had eight. Uh, what's that? Yeah, you had, so you had some money chillers there with you. Oh, oh yeah, we did. Yeah, we 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 just uh, Chris Stewart was a rookie that year. Um, I mean, we we had some really we had some really talented guys. It's just 
we were playing, I, I don't know, I didn't like the system they were playing. We were playing that Quinville system where he had like a rotating D zone, and but it takes certain teams to play that system, and, and I just, I don't like it at all. Like, it, it's just because it's it's leaving too many gaps, and, and they'd never let us pass up the middle, and by the time, like, we just, like, as soon as teams knew we couldn't pass up the middle, they just clogged the sides, and we couldn't break it out, and we had all this talent, and it's like, right. I, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm a, like systems are great, but I'm not a fan of if a system and they're blocking that lane, then you got to move it up the middle if it's open. And, and if they readjust, we have to adjust. We, we can't just be so structured and, and set in our ways that, and we got behind that year and we just couldn't climb out of it. And we had a really strong, we had a really strong team, but just, um, but good goalie and, and, uh, you know, maybe some weak D for sure. Um, that was there. But we had awesome forwards, and, and I was just – we just never really got it going. That was a, that was a bit of a dis- – that was my last year and a disappointing season with the, with the talent we had. Yeah, so was that part of your uh, – prompted your decision to retire or – Well, you know, it, what's, what's hard is, um, like, I had two kids at the time, and – like uh, uh, another guy I played with in Hartford, Brent Thompson in New York organization. He was in uh, Peoria and he called me, wanted me to sign me. But now what's happening is now you're signing one year deals. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're the one responsible for your moves. And now you have two kids and you got to, and it's just like, I moved from in, in one year or a couple of years, I moved from New York to Hartford, Hartford to um, um, Cleveland and then Cleveland to Peoria all within like two years. It just, um, just didn't work. No, and, and, it, and you know what happened is like, and and you start having kids and you lose your fire. And when you lose your fire at at in that position, you're gonna be you're gonna get yourself hurt or in trouble. Right. And and so the day you don't like go and train as hard as you can is the day like it's kind of over, right? And so um, I just I don't know. I, and I think I think you know just from you know, maybe being disappointed that you got sent back and never got up and, and, you know, attitude. Right. And, and yep. now I look at it as like, it's, it was me. It was, it was, I could have changed all of that and I could have got back up and, and, um, or I could have been the best player I could have been in the, in the, and, and been an awesome leader in the HL. And I just wasn't, I, I, I just wasn't really involved and I, I kind of lost interest, but that was, that's all on me. Right. And, and so my perspective of things and, changing the angle and how you look at stuff and you know someone's paying me to do a job and you know I did it half ass and and that and that's the thing that now you know you talk about and you teach that that's that's not okay it's better just to get out don't don't let someone take care of you or pay you and and you're not doing the job that he's asking you to do and and so um I got to I got to reflect on that look back at that make me a better person too and and I didn't like who I was at that point and and so I made changes yeah, because I mean that's it took, it, took, it, it took a little jail time, but I made changes. Well, yeah. you know, I was I was gonna I was gonna ask yeah, you're you about like, this. I'm gonna get to that. I was just so gonna, 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 we're gonna you we're took gonna the words right out of my mouth uh, because I was, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the segue. You just made that very much easier for me. <laughs> no, uh, so, outside yeah, of the, so then you met Jeremy. Yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> Pro- <laughs> Professor Jeremy. I got, hey, I was just, yeah, this yeah. is how good. I, this is how healthy I became. I got him out of there too. Yes, he did. he did. Yes, he did. I saved him, and then he You're, saved me. the straw that broke the camel's back, right? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, outside of the of the rink, you did have some struggles. Um, uh, Jerry, uh, de- a little bit of depression going on. Um, did you have any problems with like, the CTE 
yourself or was it you, you just knew a lot of people that were, were struggling with it or? Yeah, well, yeah, like, and, and I think some of it's circumstantial. Like I was in a, I was in a, a marriage that, you know, was not healthy and, and super dysfunctional and, you know, it's like you kind of get, and then, so, so what happened was um, 2000, so uh, 2015, so we're almost going on, it would be actually May 2015. I was um, removed from my house and uh, I was out of my house for three months. I came, my, my ex was like, Hey, I'm going to see, I'm going to see uh, my father in New York and he's not doing well. So I said, Oh, maybe I'll come. And at this point, you know, I was, I was uh, so, so, okay, I'll, t- I'll take you back a little bit. So um, it would have been, it would have been uh, a year before that. So it would have been seven years now. Uh, February 23rd. So I went, I kind of went two months. There's, there's 10 kids. I'm the mom is, I'm the youngest kid. I kind of went to my mom, my mom got really sick and she had rheumatoid osteoarthritis. So I kind of, I kind of, I think it was like, and and it's, you know, this is something that's was really hard to, to overcome, but, and, and this was kind of like where it, it took off for me is, you know, when I left the NHL, you know, you, you go through different emotional stuff, but I was still okay. And I would do, you know, sometimes I'd go like six months without drinking. And then, you know, you go on a couple binges and, you know, well, we're just partying kind of thing. And, and so uh, my son's birthday is on February 22nd. So I usually, my mom can only talk on the phone now for about three to five minutes because she just gets too tired and, and she's that sick. So I, uh, that night I was going to call her or that day I was going to call her collect. So, or not collect. I was going to, I was going to call her so she could talk to um, uh, my son for his birthday. Cause she just, she loves it. Right. She just, she was amazing, but, but it was, but it was very, very sick. So I didn't do it. I waited and the February 23rd, she passed away. So I kind of went yeah. two months, two months. And, and you know, I, I was the, the, I was the baby of the family. So I didn't really notice it at first, but I started drinking more and more, right? And I and I, and I, it, I didn't have a good relationship at home, and it just kind of continued. And then um, I, I, my what, this guy I know is like, oh, have you ever tried Percocet? So and and I, you know, I knew all about them, but I never, I never really took them. So I tried it, and and honestly, it was the first time in since I retired from hockey or even before hockey that I felt like good about myself and like I was like happy like joy like I was honestly happy and, and so that kind of that kind of took off but that wasn't as much as the drinking the drinking was really you know because drinking's everywhere right so mm-hmm. but I was mixing those two things and and so removed from the house because you know I wouldn't do what I was told and I wouldn't listen and and so but but fair enough like you know you, you can't expect someone to even though she would drink as well, but on her terms, right? I could drink if she drank, and and, and if I listened, of course. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, we we three months go by. She's like, "You want to say bye to the kids? We're going to New York for a month." So I go to. Um, I say, "Well, why don't I come with you?" Because you know I had a good relationship with her dad, and so anyway, I go to New York. And, um, we're there about a week and, and I, I was, I, I'm like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta sober up. I'm going to quit drinking. So I pretty much stayed sober the whole time. Well, that night we went out and there was about 20 people because one of the kids, there's like 20 adults, like 20 kids, 20 year, 21 year old. And, um, they're going to college. And so we were all drinking together. 
Well, one of the guys that was there, so I had my wife gave me a phone. Her sisters in town, so we're taking selfies. We're in, we're in. Uh, I, I, what's that lake up there, Jerry? Like Oneida Lake. You're Oneida at Lake. Oneida Lake. And I have her phone, and I'm walking to the bathroom while her phone starts going off. Well, one of the guys we were drinking with text, oh, I thought you left your husband, and why, well, you know, I always love you. And set, so I start going through the text. Well, they've been kind of corresponding since I've been there. Mm. Nothing too, too bad, but still unacceptable that as a husband, you don't know about it. You're not transparent, right? So long story short, I like it, it's. I gave my power away. So I reacted, obviously fought the guy. He didn't do well. Um, I get, but I get, I get charged with felony B. So, so, and, and then in the media, it sounded like, like I was breaking through window stealing yep. change when someone yep. caught me in their house and, and I beat him up. Yep. Well, I, I, I put smashed him through the front door. Well, when the story came out, he said, I kicked the door down and beat him up inside. So that's a felony B. So now I'm facing five to 25 years. So we fly back and um, anyway, there's, there's, there's way more to the story. So I'll keep it, I, I'll keep it short, but we fly back. I go to treatment. I'm in treatment 11 weeks. We come out and then I go to college with Jared. And so, yeah. so, <laughs> so that transition, those are the crossroads. So that transition for me, um, is what kind of like, so when we look at things in life that there's these terrible things or all these good and bad instead of being, oh, these are just different. These are just different challenges. And if we can look at it, like I said, from a different perspective, maybe that's one of the, the best things that's ever happened to me. Cause that got me, you know, really looking at life and say, Hey, listen, like I got to do work on myself. I got to be sober. I can't get my power up and, and make someone be able to take that freedom away. Like I said, time. Right. And, and so these are the moments. And, and then by doing so, then, you know, I have a story like, you know, like we have an awesome relationship and, and I, I can relate with people. I, I have a story that I can say, Hey, listen, I was there. I, I actually did that. And, and I went to time, I did time and, you know, I did the work to get sober. And to, even today I do every work, I do work every day to, you know, better myself and to be able to be vulnerable or even talk and share your story. It's hard for people, right? People, people live in mass. And, and I did that for years, lived in mass and lived the lie and, and I was never authentic. And, and, you know, I was like this man with an emotional baby inside, you know, from I left home at 15. So that's kind of where you were stuck. Right. And it's like, it's like not what's wrong with you, what's happened to you. Right. 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 And so these, these are the amazing things that is your adventure. And if you get those lessons, then we can become the heel. And then we have these opportunities. That was an opportunity to become a way better person. Well, that's, I, I mean, I, like I said, I'll tell you, you know, when I met him, I, I knew who he was. I mean, all of us knew who he was. Um, we were given certain rules of, you know, not giving treatment, special treatment to, um, to Dale. Um, obviously, uh, being from New York and, you know, you, a few hockey guys in the college that we, that he was in, we all knew who he was, you know, he'd get, um, I mean, I know he got special treatment. I was part of that team that gave him special treatment. Um, not that we favored him in any way, but you know, it was like, listen, like you're you're not like a normal guy. You're you're somebody that screwed up, and you understand what you did wrong, and you can better yourself. And you know, I, I got a great great relationship out of him, and we've talked. We got we we talked immensely all the time. 
And I'm happy that we've done that. And I'm happy that we've continued to do that. Well, I just say, I got, yeah, and, 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 and just, you know, like what's funny about going into a place like that though, is when you look at that, you, it, it's, it's a sad thing. Like most people are like the behaviors, like 15 year 15 years old. Most people are poor. They, they've never really had a chance. And, you know, I was in there with guys who never got a phone call, who never got a letter, who yep. have no money, have no food, and and, and they're felons. And, and then how do they go back and with no really constructive behavior? They're put back. Well, of course they're going to return. It, it's a, it's a yep. sad, sad thing. And so just I would sit with people and listen to their story and talk. And, and it was actually there's there's amazing things in there. And, and there's there's beautiful people. And, and for the most part, you know, they're they're not they're just damaged people like lots of trauma right they're not bad yeah. they're, some are bad of course but but what's their story right 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 well you know I tell you Adele I mean that's you know, I appreciate you sharing that too because that that takes a lot of guts in itself to talk about and we just really appreciate I mean you know obviously you'd hit rock bottom but you just you've done a fantastic job of of rising above and and God bless you brother that's that's fantastic that really is yeah thank you so much yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an avenue to help other people and understand, Hey, listen, if we can convince people they're not alone job, well done, it's all worth it. It's all worth it to right. me. It's, it's, it's just another experience that we can say, Hey, listen, like we can always overcome things. We can right. always change. We can always be better. And, and so by my story, you know, there's, there's, there's so many people out there that are struggling, you know, we, I think I don't know if we talked in the last show, but you know, there's there's three NHL guys on the streets that I know of personally, right, right yeah. now, and and so they're amazing men. I know every one of them, and and they're on the streets, like they're, and, and you know why? Like, right. It's 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 damage. Right. right. Have you ever heard of an organization called uh, Dignity After Hockey? No. All right. I'll um I'll get the information to to Jerry for you. It was actually started by a former Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Paul Walker. And he's since uh, passed away, but his daughter Zoe is actually carrying on with it. Um, and it's for, to help players after hockey that you know have fallen on hard times or are struggling and need you know just need a, a helping hand or even just somebody to talk to. You know, right? So, um, so yeah, I'll get the, the information to Jerry for you after, or I mean, even if you you want, we can exchange phone numbers or whatever. So that would be yeah. That that is that's awesome, and, and you know, and we gotta we gotta get someone out there. Um, I wish we had an organization like that that worked on offense because I needed that when I played. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We're, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna end this segment for now, okay? But uh, Dell, I understand you want to stay on for the rest of the show. I will. That is awesome. That is awesome because I know there is, we're coming up in the next segment. There's something that Jerry wants to talk about. So, but first, no, be, before we close this segment out and go to commercial break, as always, we're going to do our breakaway trivia. And the breakaway trivia question is this week: Who was the first winner of the Conn Smythe Trophy as NHL Playoff MVP? The answer when we come back. Visit My Little Falls and stay connected with the latest news information and events in the city. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of Little Falls, New York. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, and our events calendar. 
It's about timely local news for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling stories about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned businesses the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of local residents and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners. You can download our iOS app in the iTunes store or sign up for our weekly newsletter. Stop by today at mylittlefalls.com. You'll be glad you did. And we're back for segment two of Marty's Little Stick Hockey Hot Takes. But as always, we're going to kick off segment two with the answer to our trivia question. And that question one more time was, who is the first winner of the Consmite Trophy as NHL Playoff MVP? Dad, do you have a guess? I got a guess, and they're going to have to laugh at me. And you got to understand, I'm old. I'm old for 23. I'm going to be old for 24 here in a minute. Because uh, but I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, a record holder. You already in, are in my in, in Marty's <laughs> illegal. Speech, so remember that, <laughs> Dave. Help me out on this. Okay, no, uh, not, no, no. no. Uh, no <laughs> I met Dale, but anyway, uh, I'm going to say laugh all you want. I'm going to say Gordy Howe. Okay, Dave. Do you have a guess? No. Okay. Sure, but, but you can't go wrong with Gordy Howe. That's true. Right. Yeah, you can if he's not right. <laughs> um, as much as I don't want to say this, I, I uh, said the kid Crosby. I don't know. Okay, Dale. I decline. You decline. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you already answered. But I'll tell you what, you were the closest. Ooh. It was Jean Bolivo. Oh, really? 1965 is when they introduced the Consmite Trophy. As now, a see, you MVP. lied. You said number 24. John Bellevue was number six. Yeah, well, that's the first player that comes to your mind when you hear the number 24. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you at the Legion before you came down here? Anyway? You know, I'm going I'm to have to. Oh, boy, never mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a PG. It's a, <laughs> As always, breakaway trivia, entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) All right, our first uh, hot take for the day. Happy 53rd birthday to former Utica Devil Kevin Todd. Todd played four seasons for the Utica Devils and then played nine seasons for five different teams in the NHL. Uh, Good dude. You know, he's uh, he's a big part of the Utica Devil organization, and that's, of course, near and dear to our hearts around here. So happy birthday, Kevin. And now, Jer, it's time for your moment yeah. to shine. Let me read my I spiel here. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So it'll give you it time. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Okay. So Monday night's game between the Washington Capitals and the New York Rangers was event-filled to say the least. Evgeny Kuznetsov and his Ilya Samsonov were scratched for disciplinary reasons, and then Alexander Ovechkin left the game after his first shift with a lower body injury after missing the previous four games. During the game, Artemi Panarin left the game with what is believed to be a knee injury, and initial reports have him being out for the season. Tom Wilson was the center of attention, racking up a goal, an assist, three roughing penalties, and a misconduct after sparking a brawl in the second period when he punched Pavel Buchnevis while he was down on the ice. Thoughts, please. Wait, you want me to go first? Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I know you want to. I mean, I get – I don't like what he did to Buchnevich. Um Having everybody else jump in and Panarin jumping in, I get. But for what he did to Buchnevich, it's just a dirty play. I mean, you can't. I understand the heat of the battle. You're, you're going at it. You play hard. And like Dale said, like we were talking before the show, if he's on your team, you love him. If he's off your team, you hate him. 
it's not that I love him or hate him, even if he was on my team or not. It's just, you know, you call a dirty player a dirty player. I mean, he's he's a dirty player, and I know Capitals fans that will call him a dirty player. Um, for what he has, was what he was given was just a maximum fine with no suspension. I think um, it's going to take a – it's just setting the precedent of what could happen. Um, I don't want to see anybody ever get hurt, but it sets the precedent of somebody getting hurt for something stupid. Well, you know, Dale, did you see the, the play by chance or? No, I just seen Jerry sweating. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the graphics going across the screen, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually uh, interested in more interested in the two players that got suspended for disciplinary action. I want to know that story. You know what that, know, you know what right? happened? No, they missed a team meeting. So oh, the coach scratched him for the game. That's what, that's yeah, what but I, I still happening. want to know the backstory. And then the other thing is um, just a quick question for Jer before we get back to this. Oh, is that picture on your wall? Is that for your girlfriend? Oh yeah. That's for my girl. That's, that's, that's not, that's not, but it's also for you. It's, a it's for your girlfriend. It says, "Enjoy the little things." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a oh my god! That's what she watched and she reads that. At least, at least, at least you you let her know. Anyway, um, look at look at the color on Jeremy's think, face. Oh, I think I think the Rangers should sign Tom when he becomes a free agent. I, I mean, I. I wouldn't agree with you. I think if they did that, at least we'd have a little bit more physicality. Oh, I'm not. I I agree with I agree with what you're saying as well. It's just like we don't we don't want anyone hurt. I think you need to play hard and and but you know it's it's you know maybe playoffs. But even then, we are the NHL. We, we they're trying to crack down on those kind of things. And so right, if he's right. not disciplined, um, it's going to continue right. because it just keeps escalating, right? And then right. 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 You know, now, now they're going to go after him, or they're going to cheap shot. They're going to cheap shot some of the Washington players, and exactly. And some it's, of it's just a setup, and that's that's just yeah. It. Well, you yeah. know, the, I mean, you. basically, what happened is, is Booch got pinned to the ground. I mean, they went hard to the net, which I get. Goalie wasn't interfered with, so there's no reason to really take out the frustration for hitting your goalie. It's just Booch went down. His face was on the ice, and Wilson just started rabbit punching him in the jaw. Right, as his head on the ice. I didn't like that. That was. It was it was just unnecessary, right? Yeah. yeah. But the yeah. part that you know, and, and I, my opinion is probably uh, not the most popular one on this part, but people are going crazy about what happened to Panarin. And honestly, you know what, Panarin jumped on his back, right? And they're Which like, "Well, he ragged out. Yeah. His helmet was off. Okay, his helmet came off, and the whole scrum and all that. Right. And they're screaming that Wilson should have been in control." But no, it, not no, at, not at that point. Panarin jumped in on him. In. I mean, he didn't yeah, single Panarin man. out as much as I like the bread man. Great player to watch play, you know, very fun. But you know, the thing is, if you're gonna if you're gonna jump on the grizzly bear's back, yeah, you're gonna poke you better bear. be ready. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, I think New York should next time they play, New York should sign Ric Flair for one game. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll get their chance tomorrow night. That's. Yeah, they were yeah. all night. Nice. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, see, we like I could I could say I could watch, but remember, I'm in Canada. Everything's a year behind. We got last season being played here. <laughs> <laughs> so just wait. Hey, we get the first round pick <clears throat> this year. You'll see that coming in. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so well, see, Jeremy, you made it through. I'm proud of you. You're good. Yeah, you're okay. I already got my I got my frustration out earlier. That's, that's right. Did you see we that? Had to. Did you see what he just did? He just took his uh, high blood pressure medicine. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he took the picture down. <laughs> I that was good, Dale. I like God, that. That God, good it's com- coming in from from his dad. Man, it's yeah. coming from all angles now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely lost the wheels on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So just to uh, follow follow up on what we were talking about last week with the AHL playoff speculation, uh, as it turns out, only the Pacific Division is going to do a playoff, and the rest of the divisions are not. Um, It's very strange, to say the least. Um, The AHL did also announce that they're going to try to do a, a full regular season starting in October, so that's great news. But... Players aren't very happy about this this one division playoff thing, and I can't say as I blame them. That's really weird. How do they? How do they do that? Like I don't get. How can they split? I get it. It's a COVID year, but still, you're still playing in the East Coast. You're still playing on the West Coast. Yeah. Why can't you just keep playing? I don't understand what their philosophy behind that is. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that either. Um, it's and on of, a money on a year on a year where they're where they're not making any money because I mean they. they they just start allowing fans in, right? Where you figure they would want to allow a playoff system or a play, some series to go through, so they make more revenue for next season. Yeah, like they just—they're just, just going to shut it up, shut it down. It's like it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if you're going to do one, then do all. Yeah, that'd be, if you're that'd not- be hard as a player. Yeah, hard as a player working that hard all year, and then you're told you can't have a chance to win. Right. You know, and then you got to remember some of those guys, that's probably their last chance to, to take a crack at it. And then you, and so for some of those older guys, you know, and the league's younger now than when we played, but that's their last, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's their Stanley cup that, you know, some guys will never get a shot at this could be their last season and, and they don't get a chance to win. Right. Like right. that's, that's right. a tough one to, to, and if you put yourself into that situation and how, how do you accept that? Right. It's, right. it's a tough one. That's a tough, that's a tough, it's yeah. a tough call. I couldn't imagine. Like I think Utica's in, I don't know what place they're in right now, but they're Fourth. contending. Yeah. They're, they they'd be contending for a playoff run, a playoff yeah. push. And yeah. now they're. I mean, is Vancouver going to save any of their guys and call some of their guys back? Like, Probably. I don't know. What I don't know. Be doing. That's that's going to be. I mean, they I saw Mikey, get over the border too. So I saw Mikey DiPietro come back. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he came back to Utica, so I mean, right. and he's like one of the best goalies. Well, was rated the best goalie in the United States. Yeah. So it's like, would would he go back up to Vancouver and be on their taxi squad again? I don't know. Well, it's, it's weird, right? It's like it'd be like a college kid signing with Boston College, and then he's told he he's he's playing for Michigan next year. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. It's definitely an upgrade. Oh man. So one last hot take for everybody. Um, we make this real quick. Just news from the Czech Republic. 49-year-old Yarmir Yager said he does not plan to retire after recently finishing his 33rd season in professional hockey. Yager plays for, and I'm going to hammer this name, Yatiri Kalando or something like that, <laughs> uh, a team that he also happens to own, and they play in the second tier of the Czech Professional League, and they're moving up to the first tier next year. Good for Yarmir Yager, but I'll tell you, you know who I feel bad for the most out of all that? The coach. Could you imagine oh. trying to tell him that, well, we're going to sit you out this shift or – you know, well, no, I want to try this other guy on the power play. <laughs> no, you're not. You yeah. No, no, I own you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, I, the, the coach for me second, um, his hairstylist is first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's right. Yeah. Well, let's find it. Can you tell us what kind of hair gel he uses so we can get stock in that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Tail and mane. He gets. Yeah. He goes right to the yeah. mane and tail. He goes right he to the horse. He does stalk. a screw around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to prove himself, though. Like you know, thirty-three years in, maybe you know he'll be someone with a couple more years in. <laughs> that's great. That is great. Well, that's all we got for hockey hot takes. As always, we're going to close hockey hot takes with our website of the week. Website of the week is brought to you by 315hockey.com. 315hockey.com is your news hub for all levels of hockey in central New York. This week's website of the week is greatesthockeylegends.com. If you love hockey history, check this website out. It's got thousands of player profiles on there, all sorts of different uh, nuggets of hockey history to check out. So that'll do it for segment two. We're going to take one more quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're going to take a ride on that Zamboni time machine. We'll see you in a minute. Need to find that gift for someone special? Visit Little Falls Presents at the Stone Mill and Canal Place. Stop by today to find unique artist work, t-shirts, coffee cups, gift towels, greeting cards, tote bags, koozies, and original oil paintings and prints. It's all about the art of the gift. For more information, visit mylittlefalls.com shop or call 315-508-5310 for details. And we're back for segment three of Marty's Illegal Stick, the Zamboni Time Machine. The Zamboni Time Machine is brought to you by Zamboni.com, and the Zamboni name is used with permission. This week, the Zamboni Time Machine takes us back to October 31st, 1971, in the debut of the first ever painted goalie mask. Everyone knows that Jacques Plante wore the first goalie mask in the NHL in 1959, and Jerry Cheevers of the Boston Bruins drew stitches on his mask in 1970, or, I'm sorry, 1968 every time he got hit in the face but that mask was considered to be decorated and not painted. The first painted mask belongs to Doug Favell of the Philadelphia Flyers. Favell, like all goaltenders back then, wore a white fiberglass mask like the one made famous by Jason from the Friday the 13th movies. On Halloween night in 1971, the Flyers had a game, and since it was Halloween, Favell and the boys decided it would be fun to paint his mask like a pumpkin. The Flyers trainer painted the mask bright orange, and sure enough, the Flyers won that night. Perhaps enjoying a little notoriety from distracting shooters with his painted mask, Favelle had the mask repainted into a white and orange starburst pattern, which he wore for the 1972-73 season. After the season, Favelle was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs for another goaltender named Bernie Perron. As a going-away present of sorts, Frank Lewis, the Flyers trainer who did the first two mask paint jobs, repainted the mask white with a giant blue maple leaf on it. Favelle wore this mask for the first season in Toronto and then got a brand new mask. The original mask was loaned to the Hockey Hall of Fame. But this story isn't over yet. During a visit to the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2011, a game-worn hockey equipment dealer named Frank Cervello noticed the Favelle mask on display was a replica and not the original. Favelle confirmed it, and the hunt was on to find the original. Two members of the Vintage Goalie Mask discussion page by the names of Plant and DeLuca determined another mask in the Hall's Vintage Mask collection was, the, was painted like a clown, and it was indeed the original Favelle mask. A meticulous restoration took place by removing layer on top of layer of paint until they finally got to the original Starburst pattern, proving Plant and DeLuca right. So what happened? As it turns out, the original mask was stolen from the Hall of Fame and replaced with the replica. For some reason, it was quietly returned, but not after being repainted into first a weird blood drop pattern and then the clown pattern. The original mask was returned to Favel, and you can now buy it for a mere $50,000 at GoalieMaskCollector.com. 
And that, my friends, concludes this week's trip on the Zamboni time machine. 50,000. Dale, you got that, right? So let's all pull our money. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have it. <laughs> I need that. Yeah, right. I told you, ski mask model. I'll, I'll wear any mask. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one you needed right yeah. there. Oh, human, like, how awesome would it be if we had masks instead of instead of just your you know little COVID mask? We could wear hockey ma- goalie hey, masks. There around. you go. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. What's it like up there right now with COVID? Anyway. Um. I, I think it's I think it's the same everywhere. It's it's not slowing down. It's picking up. And Alberta um, is almost they're talking about going on a curfew. Like they're really shut down there, and they're not. And their numbers are increasing. BC it's like a, a different strain. Um, the second strain's picking up, and and so it's. Uh, I think restaurants are shut down. Left less it's outdoor patios. Um, all the sports are shut down. It's it's basically lockdown. Mm. Yeah, so oh, we're opening up. Yeah, that's too bad. bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe if um, we, we. Well, there you go. We'll pull the fifty thousand dollars. Maybe well, that ask will be the answer. I, well, no, I, I think it's perspective. Once again, I'm like, people think being locked down in your house is locked down. I'm like, obviously, you haven't had the same experience as me. This is easy. This is easy time. <laughs> oh man, I get my own bed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that was great. That was great. Well, listen, I think we've gone over our hour here. Uh, Rob Drum from Sportsbeat's going to be awful upset with us again, but again. he's going to have to deal with it. That's all. That's all there is to it. So <laughs> we're going to close the show out. But, Dale, thank you for coming on again. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you sticking around for the whole show. Uh, we just want to let you know you can find us on the web at martysillegalstick.com and on Facebook and Twitter at Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast. For Leo Kinville, for Jeremy Roberts, for Dale Purrington, and Dave the Save Warner, I'm Scott Kinville. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.